if you really believe in something and, and you know that you're doing the right thing, then, you know, people will follow you, right? I mean, it's still a lot of hard work, but I think, you know, you need to have a, a very clear mission, you know, to, uh, to get it done eventually. Uh, and also, I mean, in the end of the day, it's really all about the people and all about the team. Welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in-the-weeds expertise with today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guest by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B companies launch revenue-generating podcasts. We schedule interviews between you and your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up for engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at contentallies.com. Hey, leaders, welcome back. I'm Noah Tetzner, and I'm joined today by the co-founder and CEO of Neosec, a cybersecurity company built for organizations that expose APIs to partners, suppliers, and users. Neosec is an intelligent way to protect your APIs from business abuse, data theft, reinventing application security. I'm joined today by Yura Engel. Yura, welcome to Leaders of B2B. Thanks. Happy to be here. A pleasure to have you on the show, Giora, and I'm so excited to delve into our, our topic of conversation today, which is your journey uh, as an entrepreneur and also the journey of Neosec. So first of all, let's introduce listeners to Neosec. I understand this is your second cybersecurity company, which I believe was founded during basically the height of the pandemic. Is that right? Yeah, we, you know, we founded the company in February 2020, uh, just before everything uh, you know, got shut down. Uh, so it was an interesting ride, uh, for sure. <laughs> wow. And, and so this is your second cybersecurity company. Now, tell listeners, just very basic question, but just to cover our bases, you know, who does Neosec serve and who is the company for? So we're, uh, we're basically helping any company that uh, develops applications and APIs to secure what what they expose to the outside, as well as you know some internal east-west APIs. Uh, it basically, you know, these days, I mean, if you think about it, everybody you know is is writing applications and APIs. That's that's the new way of writing software and delivering products of any kind, whether you're a bank or you know a digital company. So so that that's kind of part of uh, what we saw in in the market is uh, that every everybody's uh, moving to digital, no matter what industry you are. And as I mentioned before, this is your second cybersecurity company, which, as you mentioned, was founded, you know, a month before the infamous sort of March of 2020, <laughs> that that great peak uh, in, unfortunately, a global pandemic. You know, how is this experience different? How has it been different so far? You're two years in from uh, the previous company you started. Maybe I'll start from, you know, from the beginning. Um, I think that the, the weirdest thing was that, you know, in, in the beginning, we, uh, I mean, we were about to, you know, to raise money and uh, we couldn't actually meet anybody physically. And, you know, that when, uh, as an entrepreneur, as a founder, you know, raising money is a very like personal thing. I mean, you, uh, you know, you speak to people, you shake their hands, uh, you know, a lot of that is, is kind of, you know, getting to know each other. Uh, so that was completely, you know, not possible uh, all of a sudden. Um, and but of course you know the you know the, the industry adapted to that and everything was you know through Zoom in the end and uh, you know it, it ended up uh, you know in the, in the right place but it was just you know weird you know b- being at home and you know pitching you know through Zoom and yeah. uh, it just you know felt different. 
Yeah, no doubt that I mean that that is definitely an, an interesting sort of shift from no doubt the experiences that you had. Yeah, with of course, you know, hiring people is, is also super you know it's super different at the time. I mean today, you know we're kind of at the end of the pandemic. You know hopefully nothing uh, you know goes back, but um, you know today people kind of learn to to live with it. You know at, at the time, you know it was kind of even not even allowed to you know. To meet people, I mean, depending on you know where, where you are and so on. I mean, there was you know shelter in place every, everywhere. So yeah, I mean, we we had to to build a fully remote team, and I think you know there are a lot of benefits to it. I think today when things are coming back, uh, in person, uh, you know, relationships are super important. I, I still believe in that, but the ability to uh, to work well when you're remote is very very valuable too. Because I mean, you never. Uh, I mean, you're not you're not with the other people 100% of the time, even if you work in the office. So, you know, being able to communicate well while while you're not with the other people, I think, is, is actually a super important skill. Most definitely, and no doubt, cybersecurity itself uh, experienced, uh, I'm assuming, an unprecedented demand right as the company started. You know, I mean, of course, we've been sort of in this digital era for uh, well over a decade now, um, but nothing like what we're living through now. I mean, I remember uh, talking to colleagues who were uh, in the process of applying for various roles at companies, um, you know, around the time the pandemic started. And, um, you know, this concept of like working full-time remote was was not being offered by many companies. And, and it's very hard to um, think that literally like three years ago or so. Um, but but tell us, like, what was it like? What, what was sort of the market's appetite, you know, in those initial months of COVID when you got started? So I, I think, you know, it changed a lot of things for uh, for a lot of people. You started to say, I mean, it changed a lot of, of things for uh, for employees and, you know, the ability to work, uh, you know, remotely and work maybe in places that they, they couldn't work, you know, for uh, before or maybe move to, to a different place uh, that they couldn't do before. Um, but but it, so so you know, so one one change is that uh, for every company they had to support a fully remote uh, operation, which means that you know that everybody connects remotely. You know there's um, you know much more that happens that way. But I think there, there's also on the other side, on the business side of all these companies, they had to adapt to a world where uh, where they have to be digital first, regardless of what industry they are. Uh, if they're not digital first, they won't have business, right? So, I mean, it, even if they're, uh, you know, brick and mortar, you know, banks or, you know, whatever, they have to be very, very uh, good at, 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 you know, selling digitally, right? So, so that, that I think is, is maybe the biggest change. Uh, the digital transformation, you know, we, we spoke about it uh, before, but I think in the recent years, it accelerated significantly because of, you know, the, the simple need. Hmm. Uh, most definitely, most definitely. And, you know, tell us about the process then of, of scaling a company, receiving funding, so forth, uh, during the pandemic, doing it totally remotely. Um, you know, and I guess like, you know, company as Neosec continues to grow and go from strength to strength, you know, is that, you know, just like, from your perspective, is, is that sort of hiring and, and company culture piece something that you guys are still navigating? Or do you have a yeah, I think maybe to maybe now I'll start from the end. So I think you know what you just said about you know building the company culture is super important because you know that's that's really what uh, what stays in people's minds. Uh, uh, 
you know, every day when they uh, when they work and every day when you know when they open the, the computer. So building the right culture and, and finding the right people is is the most important, regardless if they're you know in person or, or remote, um, because it, it shows it shows regardless. I mean, if you know if it's in person, it's obvious, but if it's remote, it still shows the same the same way. Now we're after uh, two rounds of, of funding. We raised over uh, twenty million dollars, and we're uh, over uh, fifty employees. You know, growing growing pretty fast. We decided what one of the we made in the very beginning was to hire our engineering team um, and, and product team in Israel. It, it wasn't obvious for us because the, you know both of us uh, co-founders were, uh, were locally here in the US. But we decided that you know it, it will create a more cohesive team in that you know crazy pandemic time where uh, you know everybody's kind of sheltering in place. Uh, and I think it, you know it was a, an amazing decision for us. I mean there's there's really nothing like the, you know the Israeli talent when it comes to uh, you know to, to R and D, but um, but I think, you know, the, like the added benefit was the ability to kind of uh, create a cohesive team that, you know, meets sometimes, uh, you know, to, today it's like more structured, it's like, you know, twice a week in the office. But, but in the very beginning, I mean, it was, it was not obvious that people could actually meet and, you know, it made all the difference. Well, and, and you know, of course, there's, there's so many statistics, which I, I won't quote here today on the podcast, simply because listeners are already well aware of them and they're ever-changing, you know, record numbers of folks leaving their jobs, even more so people shifting around, you know, within different roles, within companies and other companies, you know, folks are hopping from opportunity to opportunity and so forth, a lot of movement there. You, you know, I guess in terms of building sort of a, a company culture during this this unique time that we find ourselves living in, you know, what what insights or advice from your experiences, Giora, would you offer to our listeners? I think what, what worked for us is to, uh, you know, to create a, first a culture that empowers each and every person, uh, you know, not only the managers or the VPs, but, but actually each and every person in the company. And the way to do that uh, for us, I mean, it sounds simple, but it's actually not that simple, right? The, the way to do it is, is to make sure that everybody is aligned with the mission and understands wh- why we're doing what we're doing and you know, wh- what it means and you know, how what they're doing impacts the customers and, and so on. Uh, and also get, you know, giving people responsibility and ownership of you know, what we're building and, and you know, the, the function that they're, uh, that they're owning. It doesn't matter what level you are in the company, you always have something that you own um, and, uh, and something that really you, know, you need to deliver and will depend on how you do it. Um, so I think... When, when you do it that way, it creates a um, much more scalable, you know, organization, regardless of, you know, wh- where people are. And I would argue that it's um, sometimes when you have an office, you can use it as a crutch to uh, kind of micromanage people and see what, you know, what, what's going on and, you know, uh, who's doing what and so on. Um, and I think when you don't have an office, we, we were kind of forced to do it right. And, you know, it definitely worked well for us. I mean, I, uh, I think what, one of the things that I'm most proud of uh, in what we built so far, I mean, there's much more to, to do for sure, is really the culture. Uh, because, you know, that's something that is, um, you can't really change after, uh, you know, after a you know, certain amount of people. Sometimes it's, uh, I, I would argue that you actually can't change it even after five people, uh, you know, unless you fire everybody. But it's, uh, you know, it's really, it's something that, you know, that is really part of the company. You can't change that. And uh, now when we have uh, like a significant base, uh, you know, both in Israel and here, I think it's, uh, it's easier to continue to build the culture in the right way. Because, you know, it's not only on us. I mean, it's like everybody influences, you know, the rest of the people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you found that like autonomy, giving people ownership of, of their uh, unique tasks, that's really 
worked very well for Neosec. Yeah, I mean, I, I had you know the experience uh, before building an, you know another company, uh, you know LightCyber, and uh, you know worked for a, for a bigger company after we we got acquired. Um, and uh, yeah, I think you know that's that's always a uh, you know the tricky part. How to make sure that people understand the, you know the mission and, and have that sense of ownership because you know without that it's you know it's just you know people that write code and you know maybe you can micromanage five people but you know when it's more than that it's it just explodes uh, you yeah. know it's, it's very it's very hard to uh, to do it right when uh, you know when people are not aligned and you know not, not operating according to these you know basic values. Well, and you know you know you're I suppose a good follow up question and and I know this is something that's on everybody listening. You know, all of our listeners have this to some degree on their minds today is it's one thing to curate a great company culture, which, of course, you've done, but it's another to attract uh, high quality talent, you know. So, um, you know, again, what has worked for you in terms of attracting uh, or, you know, hunting, whatever you want to call it, sourcing good talent for Neosec? I think, I mean, it's a very, very competitive market today. And I think, as, as you said, people, um, um, you know, people move uh, quite fast. And sometimes, you know, people accept offers and then, you know, don't show up. Uh, we've seen that too. I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a, a startup company cannot compete on the salaries. You know, it, uh, it cannot compete against, you know, public companies and, you know, big companies like Google and, and others, you know, on the salary. Um, we, we definitely, can, you know, we we, uh, we give equity, which is you know super uh, uh, valuable. Uh, but it's it's also really the in the end of the day, the, the the right people make the decision based on you know on the team and based on um, you know the ownership that they're going to get. I think that's uh, that that makes the difference. If you know if somebody is only optimizing for uh, you know for cash, you know they'll go to work for a big company and you know the. They, they know exactly how much they make and so on, but you know if, if they if they want the ownership, if they want to to you know to go to the next step, if they want to do something different, um, and, and you know and really shape their uh, their future, I think that you know they'll find a, a good place with, with us. And and I think when you have the right culture, I think it shows in every discussion that you have with any anybody in the company. Like you know, it's uh, it, it shows with uh, with every person that you talk to. Um, and I I heard you know already from uh, from quite a few employees that joined. After they joined, they said, you know, we, we sense that there is something special here. Uh, and, you know, we, we were really happy to, to discover that it's, that it's for real. You know, after we, after we joined, uh, you know, they just, you know, from the first day, all, all the interactions that they had were very much aligned with what they expected. So, so I think that, that means a lot uh, to people. You know, in, in the end of the day, we're all, you know, social creatures. We don't want to, uh, to just work on, on our own. And, uh, I mean, we, we want to, to make a difference. We want to interact with other people. Um, and you know we want to, to win together. Uh, so if we if we can create that culture, I, I think that that's what you know what, what can attract people. I mean, of course, some people there, there are some people that have other objectives, which is fine. Uh, you know, they, they'll find other places that are uh, better suited for them. Yeah. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. And and I guess just one other question, um, Yora, before we move on from perhaps this topic is, you know, uh, besides the obvious, of course. What are some red flags that you would just ask our listeners to bear in mind when talking to potential candidates for their companies? What are some things that you found that maybe a lot of people aren't thinking about uh, that they should be in terms of like um, vetting good talent? Oh wow, uh, where to start? I mean, I, I think I think it's important, you know, to look for people that really fit the you know the culture that you're building and the stage that you're at, um, and then of course not only to uh, 
to look at the you know the dry details in in their experience right because if you understand what they're looking for and it matches what what you can offer i think that you know that that can be a really great connection um if it doesn't align then there's there's probably nothing that you can do i mean even if you raise their uh, you know their offer or there's really nothing that you can do to make it right um they, they won't join in the end or or if they join maybe they you know maybe it's not right for them um so, so i think i think looking for the right people that you know that have the right objectives and you know they want that you know want to make the, the next move and and uh um I, one one thing that you know that worked really for uh, well for us is um uh, we we um we don't only look for people that have um like you know years of experience in what we're looking for we're we're also looking for, i mean we're completely open to people that are just you know up and coming and just starting to you know to do it and you know have some proven experience but not as much as others um sometimes even for the same role by the way um you know it's it's best to have a mix in the end of the day you need you know some people with you know with more years and some people with maybe with less but there are actually a lot of benefits of you know hiring people with you know less proven experience if they're the right people because they will learn fast and you know maybe they you know they'll bring new ideas that others you know didn't even think about um so so i think we did it quite a few times and uh you know I, I, overall i think it's uh it was great for the company because you know it really brought more uh like more, more diversity of thought um in a sense and so yeah i mean of course there, there are some people that have so many years of experience that you know already uh uh you know did it maybe for the 10th time and and some people that you know it's really their first uh, gig of this kind and you know in both cases it's it's very very valuable when you do it right 100% and it it's such a weird employment market we are currently living in you know there was a time in in recent history where you know 20 years of experience at one company would have been seen as this badge of honor but now it uh, to some it could look weird you know 20 years of experience you know why why didn't you move on why didn't you progress to different opportunities you know is that truly 20 years of experience or is that uh you know one year repeated 20 times and i think that um you know the right candidates for jobs are are people who love to learn you know they they love to learn they love to progress so, um, you know, those are great insights, Giora. Uh, one other thing I wanted to hit on is, well, first of all, remind us of the year, uh, if you recall, that you started your first cybersecurity company. It was 2011, uh, over 20 years ago, yeah. 2011. And, of course, we're recording this in a Q2 of 2022. Broad question, but I'd love to unpack this a little bit. Um, I mean, at a high level, what has changed about cybersecurity since you started your first company back in 2011? So, so I think, you know, when we started our first company, Light Cyber, you know, it, it wasn't even called cybersecurity. I don't think, it, you know, the, the name cybersecurity was uh, was even uh, that common. I mean, it was considered sec security or computer security, but uh, I, I think they just started to use that, that name. I think a lot has changed. I mean, back then, uh, you know, we realized that uh, more and more of, of the, the assets and sensitive information is, uh, is you know, somewhere in corporations, you know, networks, right? I mean, it's some, some, something somewhere in the, the enterprise network. And therefore, what we've seen for the first time in, in these years is that attackers are actually targeting that, that information and, uh, you know, hacking into, uh, uh, you know, compromising devices, getting into... Into the network and you know looking for that sensitive information to steal it and, and you know make use of it or sell it or um, you know or use it in, in other ways. 
I, I think that back then it was the first the first time when when it was actually valuable for for uh, attackers to do that, uh, as opposed to just you know spreading malware, which is you know just just a generic way to. Originally, you know, malware was a, was a big thing, but it, it, it didn't really actually make a, a lot of uh, specific gains for, for attackers. Then, you know, they kind of moved to these targeted attacks where they could actually steal specific information. Now, the, the biggest difference between then and now is that these days, enterprise networks and data centers are not the thing anymore. They're actually shrinking um, and, you know, less and less uh, important in, um, you know, in, in every company's, you know, asset list. What's actually more important is these applications that are externally facing. So instead of building you know, these uh, business applications that are gated and, and are accessible only to a handful of people internally, you're actually building systems that are serving some external parties like your customers and partners um, to deliver your, your actual service. Like, you know, think about uh, you know, a bank, they offer their, their services in a, in a digital manner through web and mobile applications. That's the actual service, the actual product uh, that they provide to their customers. And they have many different partnerships that allow uh, you know, fintechs to, to integrate and additional products and so on. So that's the, the partner uh, connection. So now, now we've seen a shift where the enterprise network doesn't matter anymore. Um, I'm, again, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little bit extreme here because you know, of course you still need to protect your enterprise network, but I think the trend that we're seeing is that the enterprise, enterprise network is uh, shrinking in value you still have your employees and you know their devices. That, that's fine. You need to protect that. But um, the most important thing today that you're building and is going to be like um, you know it, it, it's it's already most of your infrastructure today, but it's going to be the only thing in the future is your application environment and APIs that you expose to the outside and, and everything that supports it internally. And typically, these environments are based in the cloud. Uh, they're, they're not in data centers typically because. Uh, you know, it's just much easier to, since they need to serve some external parties, it, it makes total sense to build them in cloud environments. It's just easier and better in many senses. Uh, so, so that's really the big difference. I mean, it's uh, like from a, an enterprise security uh, focused uh, environment that really focuses uh, focuses maybe on the IT environment in a sense, to uh, an application uh, centric that focuses more on the product. So now the security team, instead of just you know worrying about the network and the infrastructure, they need to really worry about the the core business of the company and what what's exposed to the outside. That, that's the biggest difference that that we've seen and the reason for starting Neosec. Mm. Well, and I'd love to sort of dive into uh, the man behind the company, as it were. Uh, how did you get into what is today called cybersecurity? I mean, you started your first company. Uh, back in 2011, you had had a lot of experience before then. You know how and why cybersecurity? I'm curious. So that, that's a, that's an interesting story. I mean, I actually started in uh, you know in the army, um, and you know I was more in the you know in the cyber warfare side. I, I never thought that it's uh, it's going to become a, like an industry topic. Uh, you know, I, it, it was you know definitely more of a nation state type of thing. But then you know after after uh, after some years, I noticed that you know the same thing that happens between nations can also happen between you know attackers and any type of, of enterprise company you know if they want to uh, it, it's, it's also very asymmetrical meaning that an attacker can uh, you know can try you know a hundred thousand times to uh, you know to, to compromise the organization and it's enough for them to just succeed once uh, then they you know they can uh, you know move laterally and steal the data uh, so I basically noticed that it's um, it's, it's the same concept. Uh, and, and nobody else, you know, understood it in the industry, you know, back in 2011. 
uh, everybody was thinking about malware and about the, the technical artifacts of, you know, of this, uh, um, you know, compromised software and so on. But it, it was really about the attackers that are behind it. And understanding the attacker is really understanding, you know, the motivation and understanding the whole process. Uh, so that, that was, the, you know, our, our story back then. Today, you know, our, our story is understanding the new attacker, uh, which is, you know, is less interested in the enterprise network because there is nothing interesting there, more interested in the application environment. Um, and, and attackers, you know, like, uh, you know, like water, you know, the attackers go to where, where it's uh, easiest, you know, to, uh, to penetrate and where they can uh, get the value, right? Um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of uh, obvious. That's fascinating. So, uh, Gura, this has been a fascinating conversation. We've uncovered a lot of great value for our listeners today from uh, company culture and hiring strategies, attracting top talent to uh, really a thorough review of the cybersecurity landscape. Uh, and of course, I encourage listeners to check out the great work um, that you're doing at, at Neosec, a link to that in the description of this episode. Uh, Gura, before we wrap up our conversation here today, from the entrepreneurial journey to cybersecurity to uh, hiring and retaining top talent, what final thought would you leave our listeners with today? Yeah, I think it's it's really all about you know building something that you believe in. If you really believe in something and and you're doing the uh, and, and you know that you're doing the right thing, then you know people will follow you, right? I mean, it's still a lot of hard work, but um, I, I think you know you need to have a, a very clear mission, um, you know, to uh, to get it done eventually. Uh, and, and also, I mean, in the end of the day, it's really all about the people and all about the team. Uh, you know, if you build the right culture and the right team, it's you know, it, it's really the you know, it's so fun. Like every day is so fun and so uh, so exciting because you know we we just love to work as a team and, and we love to to create what we create and we love to succeed. Um, interestingly, we, we, you know, we got, we got some nice uh, recognition, you know, recently with, you know, with, with RSA, you know, Innovation Sandbox and Gartner and so on, but, but it, it, it all, it all falls. If you have the passion and, you, and you're doing the right things, it, it will kind of come, yeah, you still need to do the hard work, but it will come, um, by itself in a sense. Uh, so, yeah. so yeah, I mean, just have passion in what you're doing and, uh, and work with the right people, definitely choose the right people to work with because that's the most important thing. I love that. Well, Giora Engel, thanks so much for coming on to Leaders of B2B today, my friend. It's been a real delight having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leaders of B2B podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating. And as always, you can see more information about this episode and all the resources mentioned at leadersofb2b.com.